in uh, 2012 when uh, the University of Kentucky made it to the uh, national championship, we experienced the first time we've really seen a, a full-fledged riot. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. University police departments have evolved to face emerging threats. The tragic events of Virginia Tech pose challenges to these departments to provide a safe and secure campus. In this episode of Go Law Enforcement, Chief Joe Monroe from the University of Kentucky Police Department discusses how his agency works to make certain their campus is a safe place to live, learn, and work. The chief also talks about how his department handles the large celebrations which occur after sporting events that in the past have turned into riots. Well, Chief Monroe, welcome to the Go Law Enforcement podcast. Well, thank you, Joe. It's good to be here. And you're the chief of police for the University of Kentucky. Is that right? That is correct. The University of Kentucky uh, Police Department. Uh, is a, a full-service police department. We have uh, approximately 190 employees with uh, just a little less than half of those being sworn police officers. And how large of a university is the University of Kentucky? Uh, the University of Kentucky um, has 31,000 uh, students that attend the University of K- Kentucky in uh, Lexington. And as far as your background, how did you get into law enforcement? Uh, it's kind of a a, a weird uh, journey, so to speak. I actually got my uh, undergraduate degree in hospital administration. And when I uh, graduated, couldn't find a job. And Uncle Sam co- came calling because I had to pay some student loans back to the government and uh, ended up being in uh, applying for a job at a local law enforcement agency and been doing it uh, since 1991. And I have to believe that there are special challenges for a university police department. Can you talk about what those challenges are? You know, when you're dealing with a university police department compared to a municipal city or sheriff's department, there are significantly differences as well as challenges. Um, You look at a university campus, a lot of times the perception is, is, these officers aren't really police officers. They're more glorified security, so to speak. But what most people don't realize is, is that they are full-fledged law enforcement officers that go through most of the same training that municipalities and sheriff's departments do. And one of the challenges you find is, is that you're dealing with a transient population. And what I mean by that is every couple of years, you're having a complete change in your residence on campus because most college kids are coming to campus for three or four years uh, and they're either graduating or moving off campus and you're having new ones coming in. So you're really having to, to put a lot of energy into educating these students. Uh, it's the first time away from home for a lot of them. So they're really trying to identify who they are as well as how they're living on their own for the first time. Uh, so a lot of times you have to go through an educational process with these students and, and help them, you know, understand their life, where it's going. And does your department have certain specialties? We have, uh, you know, a motorcycle unit uh, that has one of the uh, 
two uh, female law enforcement motor units uh, in the state of Kentucky. We also have uh, canine you know, units for explosive detection as well as narcotics. And, and then we are getting ready to launch our new uh, aviation drone unit, um, which will be coming up in the first of the year. And with that, it's going to enable us to do a lot of the um, uh, searches for, for missing people as well as help us a lot in uh, locating individuals who flee from, from our law enforcement officers through a drone. And what types of events do you anticipate using the drone for? Well, we'll be utilizing the drone from everything from uh, searches as well as for mapping uh, and, you know, crime scene photos, as well as you know, for large gatherings, we'll be able to get an aerial view of either the traffic or the pedestrians and see from an aerial view the big picture. With so many students these days having electronic devices, whether it be cell phones, iPads, laptops, is theft of those devices uh, an ongoing issue? The number one problem we face on the University of Kentucky campus is theft. And we like to, to refer to it as crimes of opportunity because, uh, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, one of the problems is these students are coming away from home for the first time, so they're not uh, regularly locking things up or securing their valuables. And that presents a challenge because people prey on college students. And when they leave this property unattended or unsecured, that's when the thefts occur, and that's why we call it a theft of opportunity. I noticed that you have a computer recovery program. You use certain software, I believe, maybe uh, CompuTrace, LoJack. Can you explain how that works? Well, we use um, a lot of technology um, at the University of Kentucky Police Department. Uh, we do have a forensics crime unit that is able to recover information off cell phones, uh, laptops, uh, com- you know, desktop com- computers. Uh, one of the other things that we started doing was being able to uh, provide software that would actually track um, stolen uh, laptops if they ever got stolen. And by using the LoJack and some of these other software pro- uh, products that are out there, it's enabled us to have a higher recovery rate in some of our thefts. Do you notice any pattern as far as when you use a software to recover the devices? Are they usually still on campus, or have they been taken off campus? Usually they've been taken off campus and have either been sold to a third party or are in a pawn shop. With the tragic results from Virginia Tech and then the increased threat of terrorism, how has that changed university policing specifically for your department? Well, you know, post-Virginia Tech, uh, law enforcement on college campuses across this university drastically changed. One of the biggest outcomes of Virginia Tech was um, these different teams that popped up at universities that were able to identify behavioral and, and mental illness problems ahead of time and try to mitigate these situations by getting these individuals assistance. At the University of Kentucky, that's one of the things that we did as we dissected um, the whole Virginia Tech incident. And we developed what we call our community of concern team. And that is a multidisciplinary team that has everything from uh, student affairs to mental health, to legal, to law enforcement, to our crisis management team, uh, 
and behavioral uh, specialist. And what it does is they meet on a regular basis to identify at-risk students or, or members of our community um, that have been referred to them and try to mitigate any potential problems that may uh, pop up. Is active shooter training something that's ongoing both for students, staff, and the uh, the police officers in your department? We do active shooter training uh, as a service to our students and our, our staff and the rest of the university community. But we also do exercises uh, for our officers. So we actually put ourselves into situations where we actually – uh, are using simonitions and have role players who are shooting um, back at us as we try to mitigate that threat. And what it does, it gives the uh, officers more of a realistic, um, high-intensity training exercise. Um, this coming year, we actually start rolling into a, a program where we're involving our local fire department um, as tactical medics who will be going in with our active shooter teams to start treating people in a warm zone while they, the rest of the team is mitigating that threat. You mentioned that for, for many, if not most students going off to college is their first time living away from home. Is, is that a big factor in terms of students either becoming a victim of crime or even being a perpetrator? Yeah, it increases their chances, I think, of being a victim of crime. Uh, especially for those who come from the rural communities uh, of this country because they're not familiar with um, the urban city life where these potential people are preying on them either on the streets or, uh, you know, through unsecured valuables. And you have quite a successful sports program, and I have to believe that that translates into some pretty large student celebrations which might get out of hand can you talk more about that and how your how your department deals with that in uh, 2012 when uh, the university of kentucky made it to the uh, national championship we experienced the first time we've really seen a a full-fledged riot um, we experienced in 94 and 96 uh, some celebratory you know celebrations but 2012 really changed the way we had to start planning for some of these post-NCAA tournament uh, events because what we saw in 2012 was we actually saw about eight to 10,000 people in a neighborhood that turned over cars, burned mattresses, couches, uh, were throwing Molotov cocktails at officers, and it was just very destructive behavior. Um, so we really ha had to change our planning process for these events. So we developed um, a crowd management team approach where we actually go in ahead of time with our local partners and secure these areas. And we, you know, we use code enforcement to take any um, um, outdoor furniture, uh, you know, furniture sitting on porches or in backyards and, and get those out of the way so they can't be burned. We look at, you know, parking on the streets. We restrict, no, you know, no parking is allowed on the streets during these ball games. Uh, so we don't risk the chance of cars being overturned and burned. So we try to mitigate these um, threats by reducing uh, the opportunities that they have. The, the thing that we found that's been very interesting 
was the fact that most of the folks who come to these um, riots um, are not affiliated with the University of Kentucky. They're non-students. Most of the arrests we have are non-students. Some of them don't even live in the same county. So what we found was that these people, through the use of social media, are following these events and how they're developing. And then they come to these different neighborhoods where it seems to be the big gathering places are. And then that's where they start wreaking havoc. Um, And we feel like one of the reasons that we're not seeing a large student problem is because um, our university president expanded the uh, judicial code of conduct for students to off campus. So if they were involved in these type of um, riots and were caught doing it, they could face uh, penalties from the university through their judicial process. Is handling a, a crowd that large delicate in the sense of it? you want to be very careful that the crowd does not turn on you? Yeah, so when you're dealing with a large crowd like that, you've got to think about several factors. And the first one is, you know, your your terrain or your environment. The, the second one would be, what is their behavior? Uh, are they, in, in, you know, aggressive or antagonistic towards you, or are they more just happy and celebrating? Uh, the happy and celebrating crowd, you usually can monitor those very easily and, and manipulate them. It's the aggressive crowd who you've got to really uh, be prepared for. And that's where you have to use a lot of crowd control techniques, uh, less lethal munitions, and and you end up with a lot of arrests when you're dealing with an aggressive crowd. How much of a factor is alcohol or or drugs as far as some of the behavior or the criminal activity that takes place at the university? Well, as far as during these celebrations, alcohol is a huge factor. Um, But in general, with uh, any of our instances at the university, alcohol plays a small factor, um, probably not any higher than most college campuses. Um, But most of the time we see the alcohol problems, it's usually dealing with a large event. I came across an event that back in 2012, your department was responsible for recovering a 17-month-old baby that had been abducted out of California. Can you tell me about that? Two of our officers were on uh, patrol, and it was during the winter months, uh, right after Christmas. And what they found was a elderly lady pushing a stroller with a baby in it. Um, and they noticed that the baby did not have warm clothing. Uh, so the first thing they did was they knew something was wrong. They got out and started questioning uh, the uh, elderly woman who we found out later was uh, a grandmother who had abducted the child from the uh, the parent in California. We actually were able to work with the FBI and, and the Los Angeles Police Department and recover the baby and return it to the, the uh, parents. But we also had found where she had tried to uh, skip the country and go to France um, with the child but since she didn't have the proper paperwork, she wasn't able to leave the country with the child. So we feel like we averted a, a tragedy there and were able to return a, uh, a child to its, its parents in a, in a rightful quick time, um, all by the quick thinking of, of two police officers who noticed, you know, the baby didn't have warm clothing. 
Law enforcement is obviously a very stressful occupation, especially leading a large department like yours. And my understanding is you have a very interesting way to unwind that entails taking a trip every year. Can you tell me about that? Well, you know, I, I always believe in you have to decompress. So one of the things that I do is I feel like you have to disconnect from the world. And I hike the Grand Canyon every year. And one of the things that I do is when I go to the canyon, your phone doesn't work in the canyon. So I don't have to worry about getting those um, chief phone calls um, from the department. And it enables me to get back in touch and really get a clear head and really motivate myself. And I come out of the canyon a new person uh, motivated with new ideas and, and concepts that I bring back uh, to the department uh, as a refreshed, you know, personality. And so I've encouraged our team to do that. All, all our leadership team, I always encourage them to take some time for themselves and totally disconnect. Uh, no cell phones, no TV, anything like that. So you can actually get some thought um, stimulation going on. Do you go with a large group when you hike the Grand Canyon? Uh, most of the time I go by myself or, or with a, a friend. With Chief Monroe? Thank you for being on the Go Law Enforcement Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Joe. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on golawenforcement.com to help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve. We put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.